Now, the second thing we see in the text is a unique blessing. He not only speaks of a special people, comfort ye my people, but the unique blessing is that they are to be comforted. Oh, comfort is needed in times when we are weak and full of fear. You know what that's like? Get to the point sometimes that the pressures of life have just been so heavy. Burdens have been so great. You've been tossed about. Maybe you're not able to even just put your finger on it and say, this is the burden that's so heavy right now. It's just an accumulation of a lot of things. And you say, I'm just weary. I'm just tired of the battle. I just don't know if I have enough strength to go on. Or maybe you're one that's very apprehensive. You tend to be given to fear and worry. You worry about things that never happened. No doubt a lot of the things you worry about right now never will. But you worry nevertheless. What will I do if this should happen? How could I bear it if this trouble would come? You're afraid. Many fears beset you in life. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 35 to see how there is comfort in our time of weakness and fear. Verse 3, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Your hands get weak. You're trying to hold on to what's right. Hold on to the promises. Hold on to God's truth. But your hands are weak. Your knees are feeble. You're tired and weary and running the race. But he says, strengthen the weak hands. Confirm the feeble knees. How are you going to do that? Well, the difference in telling you something that's got a solid foundation to it. But meaningless information is readily available. But what does our text say? Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. You say, well, that's all well and good. If I could be strong, I would, but I just, I'm just not strong, I'm weak. If I could chase all my fears away, I would. Just tell me, don't fear. That, that doesn't seem to help me. Oh, but that's not the end of the text. See, we're not talking about some of this humanistic fluff that you find in society today where people say, well, you just need to feel good about yourself. You just need to give somebody a warm fuzzy so they can feel better. We're talking about not something that's fuzzy. We're talking about something that's concrete. We're talking about something that's foundational. We're talking about something that will stand the test. What is it? Be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Now that makes a lot of difference. Help is on the way, and guess who's coming? The Lord. He's coming to help you. You know, somebody might say, well, your dear friend's coming. Well, that's good, I'm glad they're coming, but, you know, sometimes they mean well, but... They occasionally aggravate my burden because they just don't say the right things. They just don't fully understand me. And you might be in one of those frame of minds where you say, I'd just as soon be by myself. You know, I just, just don't quite feel up to it. Sometimes I wonder at the steady pace of 
visitors that occasionally will call on people when they're really sick. I think uh, you're really bad off sick. You're not in a position to entertain a lot of company. And sometimes, you know, people meeting well can be a wearisome burden in themselves. But when you hear, help's coming, and it's the Lord, it's, and now that's good news. I, I, I feel better already. If the Lord's coming, he's promised, I will come and help you. I'm going to take vengeance on your enemies. Well, that's a big relief. I don't have to contemplate anymore how I'm going to get even with anybody because God's going to take care of that. I don't have to figure out how I'm going to control this person over here that I've been worried about that's causing me so many problems. Uh, God's going to handle that. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So if the Lord's my helper, if the Lord's coming, I'm, I'm comforted indeed. He will come and help you. Well, in our time of weakness, we can become very discouraged even in the things we are trying to do that basically are good, right, and worthwhile but have you ever reached the point where Satan has whispered in your ear, your work is vain? And you have said, what's the use? I don't know why I even try. I know I need a lot of information beyond what I have, but I try to study the Bible and I have a tough time even studying the Bible. I have people say to me on a regular basis, preacher, I know what I ought to be doing. I ought to be reading the Bible more. Don't know why I find that to be such a task. I don't know why I have such a problem with it. I can sit down and read other things. I sit down and try to read the Bible and go to sleep. I'll, I'll read everything else and leave the Bible to last. And before long, I've, I've neglected it. I, I, I know that's what I need to do. But I just fail so miserably. Well, I've tried at times to minister to people and help people and encourage people, but I, I, I just begin to think, what's the use? What's our text say? Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. How are we going to comfort those who are weary in their labors? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, where are you going to get the comfort in this? Where are you going to get the encouragement? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now there are a lot of things that you can do. A lot of ways you can spend your time. And when you finish your project, you'll have to look back and say, what a waste of time. How useless it was. It was absolutely vain. But your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you're committing yourself and using your time to serve him and honor him, read his word, minister to others, given to prayer, whatever the spiritual undertaking is, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And then in this world that is subject to change and where all around us is decaying, there are many losses that God's people experience. And often it's extremely difficult to face those setbacks in life. A person works very hard at a job. Maybe approaches it on a sound biblical basis. I realize God has given me this job and I want to do the very best on it I can. I realize that when I come into work, even though I may have some unpleasant circumstances, I'm serving Jesus Christ, and so therefore I want to honor him. 
go in one day and they say we're downsizing here and we won't need you anymore. I know from talking to people who have been in that situation that it's one thing to hear about that happening to somebody else, but when you're the person, it's just like all your strength has been drained out of you. And doubts begin to flood in and you say, what on earth am I going to do? I thought I was set for the rest of my life. I thought I'd be right here to retirement. At this age, how am I going to get another job? Got obligations, bills to pay. What on earth am I going to do? Maybe somebody worked hard, put their investments in some type of a fund. I'm secure now for old age. Get the word that it's been dissipated. All the assets are gone. What am I going to do? Losses. We ought not to become so attached to material things, but losing what we have is often a severe crisis. How many times have you seen somebody interviewed on the news when their house has just been swept out to sea or when it's been burned to the ground or a tornado has taken it away? And they stand there in front of the foundation saying, everything I have is gone. Don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to handle this? Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Even in the time of their losses. Let's look at Habakkuk. Chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now there's a lost situation. There's a dark, desolate time. The fig tree is not putting forth its blossom. There's no fruit on the vines. There's no flock out there in the field. There's no herd in the stall. Now what am I going to do? Am I ruined? Am I devastated? Am I wiped out? Do I have no hope? Can I be comforted at all? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Even when I'm wiped out as far as material things are concerned, even when I have nothing left, I'm going to be comforted. Why? Because I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. I say, where am I going to turn? What am I going to do? I'm not left alone. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer of on my stringed instruments. Here's a dark scene, but there's brightness in it because he says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. And often... When we talk to those who have understood the principle that's here, they've had to concede that some of the most precious moments they've ever enjoyed with their God has been when they lost everything else. When he says, I will rejoice in the Lord, 
The Lord is my strength. You've got to remember that the God in whom we trust has had a lot of experience at feeding people. So just because there's no fruit on the vine and there's no herd in the stall doesn't mean that God doesn't have any resources. Remember, he fed Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. That wasn't just one meal. That was 40 years in the wilderness. He fed them with manna that rained out of heaven and water that came out of a rock. You believe God's able? He fed Elijah in a time of famine by blessing the meal in that barrel that the widow's house not to run out and the cruise of oil not to fail. He fed him another time by the ravens who carried the food to him, special delivery. When Jesus was here, he one day fed 5,000 and another time fed four and on both occasions they had more at the end than they did at the start. Uh, see, we're talking about somebody that's had a lot of experience with feeding people. You're in bad shape. You got no fruit on the vine, and you got no herd in the stall, and you got no money in the bank, and you got no job, and you say, I'm in real trouble. Oh, but I'm telling you about one that hasn't had just a few years of experience. I'm telling you about the God who has had experience time after time, year after year, generation after generation, feeding people. And He's still able to do it. He's able to take care of you. Now, that ought to be a comfort. See, this isn't speculative. This isn't talking about a situation that, well, okay, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. We don't know what's going to happen. We just have to kind of hold our breath and see what the outcome is. No, you can be assured in advance. God knows how to feed people. He's proven it. He's demonstrated it. He can feed one at a time or nations at a time. It doesn't make any difference. not too hard for the Lord. He can feed a few or he can feed 5,000. He can give them everything they need and still have plenty left over. So is there any need for us to be alarmed, full of anxiety? Oh, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. But then there are many, many other sufferings in life. And this is a theme that we've talked about a lot over the past months. It's an important Bible truth that many seem to be confused about. Part of our comfort is going to come by the realization that suffering is a part of life a part of our experience, and a part of what God uses to teach us and train us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Now remember who's talking here. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit of God breathing out this message through him, but the man who pens it is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing his experience. And he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now here is suffering. Here's somebody who is troubled and perplexed and persecuted and cast down, but he's not forsaken and he's not destroyed because he knows the Lord is his helper. And then look at verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. Get this. 
For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We may feel to be ready to faint. But he says we faint not. Why? Because there is inward renewal by the blessing of the Holy Spirit. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is the good news. It may not seem that our affliction is light, but when we compare it with the glory that is to come, our affliction is light and it's just for a moment. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here's comfort in our sufferings. Sufferings come. We don't understand. How am I going to get through this sickness? How am I going to face this terrible ordeal? I've got to understand this is light affliction. And it's just for a moment. Sometimes it seems that suffering will never end. When the pain is great, the burden is heavy. One piece of bad news follows quickly on the heels of another. You say it seems like it'll never end. But here he tells us there's an end to suffering. It's just for a moment, and it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our text says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. There's comfort. The unique blessing of the text is that there is comfort. Comfort in our weakness and fear. Comfort in our losses. Comfort in our sufferings. And we'll have to stop there for now. If you today find comfort in believing that God has touched you by His grace. And while the blessings of this text are to a special people, my people, comfort ye, my people, you can lay claim to being a part of that family because you today say, Abba Father, my Father, is mine because I believe in him. I trust him. If you've never confessed him publicly, we bid you to come as we stand to sing. Today we have brought you another portion of our message entitled, Comfort Ye My People. If you'd like to secure it on cassette tape, we'd appreciate a donation to help cover the cost. Now we will send you free of charge the booklet entitled, Six Things to Remember in the Time of Crisis. This is the book we're giving away during this 44th anniversary month. We hope that you will write us and let us know of your interest in having our program remain on the air in your area. 
pray for us that the Lord will use this effort to send out the good news of salvation by His sovereign grace. Till next week at this same time, may the Lord richly bless you all. The Baptist Bible Hour has come to you under the direction of Elder LeSayre Bradley, Jr., pastor of the Cincinnati Primitive Baptist Church. Address all mail to the Baptist Bible Hour, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45217. That's the Baptist Bible Hour, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45217.